Well, good morning. Happy Monday. Today is the 11th day of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Can you believe that we're almost halfway through December? A couple more weeks and it's Christmas Eve. Insanity. Insanity. This is Mike Parrott. I'm the host of uh, Parrott Talk here on the Crusade Channel. This is Live Talk Radio the way it should be. We are always on air. We are always online. And look, I understand that, uh, look, I'm not broadcasting from the heart of America right now. I'm in RTF South. And so I'm in a kind of a big echoey room. Kind of a cool effect, though, I think. Um, doing the best I can here. Got towels around me trying to stop these sound waves. Happy to be with you, though, on this Monday morning. Uh, this show broadcasts every single day, Monday, for, Monday through Friday, uh, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. You can email me at restoringthefaithmedia@gmail.com. So much to get through today. I'm going to talk Nikki Haley, uh, Wilton Gregory in D.C., his thoughts on the slow, bloody death of tradition. The United States in the United Nations Security Council. Dr. Fauci renouncing his, uh, his uh, repudiating his Catholic faith, basically saying that he can do it better on his own. Um, but the top thing I want to talk about today, and we'll get to it, is... Well, Zelensky attending the inauguration of Javier Milei in Argentina, what that means for diplomacy in, uh, in the world, and what those two men have in common. Uh, so I'm going to break down an article about this that I think is pretty interesting. Change, a little change of dynamics here, a little change of uh, what's going on. But first, here is your former Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. The Democrats, they actually look like America. When I look at my party, we look like the most restrictive country club in America. Ha, 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 ha. When you look at the Republican Party, we're the most restrictive country club in America. When you look at the Democrats, they look like uh, what the country looks like. This is Kevin McCarthy playing into woke identity politics. Uh, this is Kevin McCarthy, I guess, unaware of the fact that we have like two brown people running for president of the United States right now on the Republican side. Half the candidates standing on the stage are brown and one is round. One is it is actually identifies as a donut. So I, I would say it's a pretty diverse group of people uh, represented the, Re- the Republican Party. But that's Kevin McCarthy. And we wonder why he is on the outs why he is on the outs. Now, Haley in decline. When a 12-year-old child in this country assigned female at birth says, actually, I feel more comfortable living as a boy, what should the law allow the response to be? I think the law should stay out of it. That is unacceptable. That type of weakness disqualifies me from being president of the United States. If you lack the moral courage and fortitude to take a strong, clear stance against the castration and sterilization of children, then you are not fit to run for office. This is why people are not fans of Nikki Haley. This is like one of several reasons. She has caved on every single important social and cultural issue. She's terrified of the culture war. She's not been in that fight. She was afraid to take on Disney. She's taken the wrong steps every single time. Elon Musk says he believes that Nikki Haley's campaign is dead. I thought Nikki Haley lost last night because she shrunk away. Like, she was not really a present. How did you feel it went? It was fine. I mean, look, he said he didn't think bathroom bills were a good use of his time. 
You can go look that up. I signed a bathroom bill in Florida, so but that's obviously say, no. not true. <laughs> well, it's hard to win a point any more unequivocally than that. The idea that you would say that I, I was against it, you that. You didn't. You killed it. I signed it. I we stood didn't. up for little girls. You didn't do it. Total embarrassment. This was an example of Haley receding a little bit in a way that I don't think really helped her. And also just very bold, and I don't mean that in a good way, very bold for Haley to try to go after DeSantis on any cultural issue, especially the trans stuff. He's been the the best elected official on those issues probably in the history of the country. Haley came across as an establishment figure. She's distant. She's not a culture warrior. They want a candidate they know is going to fight for them not be dictated to by big donors, especially as in Haley's case, when some of them are hardcore Democrat donors like Reid Hoffman. You don't take money from BlackRock. And you also don't take it from the, you know, one of the largest donors to the Democratic Party. You just don't do it. Haley, on the other hand, appears to be much more comfortable with funders than with the voters. And the working men and women who make up the base of today's GOP are no longer interested in that type of candidate. All right, so here you have, uh, you've, who, who all did we see? We saw Matt Walsh, Glenn Beck, Bill O'Reilly, uh, Megan Kelly even, Laura Ingram, all repudiating Nikki Haley. Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal's propping her up. Shock poll, Nikki Haley absolutely rucks Biden by whopping 17 points. Mitt Romney is out there saying that he's going to vote for Haley. Um... And if, she, and if he doesn't get Haley, he may vote for Biden. He says Haley is the only one that has a shot to beat not only Donald Trump, but also Joe Biden. The establishment is galvanizing behind Nikki Haley. And for good reason. Look, she doesn't want to enshrine anything cultural into law. She doesn't want to protect children by law. She doesn't want to use the government to intervene in the grooming and... Um, well, the, the violence, the molestation of children. And the only person who's really challenging her now on that clip, that clip was put together by the DeSantis team, and so that's why you don't have any real big zingers. The only person really challenging her is Vivek. He's calling her out on all of her inconsistencies. The fact that she is a fabulously wealthy political swamp creature now and the donors are in panic uh this segment of the program brought to you by the merry manly christmas giveaway go to crusadechannel.com slash mary to sign up you can enter to win not only the 50 dollar shopping spree in the founders trading post but you can enter to win one of the six grand prizes go to crusadechannel.com slash mary to sign up Okay, Wilton Gregory, he is the Archbishop of Washington, D.C. He is a cardinal, and he is basically saying that, uh, well, he gives his example of how tradition sometimes has to die a slow, gruesome, bloody death. And like all homosexuals, he takes pleasure in the slow, gruesome, bloody death of his opponents. When that generation goes, then everyone will be in the new, uh, the new mass. Tradition dies um, 
a slow death, sometimes a bloody death. There's a book, a liturgical history book by the name, uh, by the author Clauser. And he said that 200 years after Trent, there were still places that were celebrating the pre-Trenton Mass. So it, it took that long. I think what Pope Francis is trying to do with uh, Custodes Tradiciones is to say, look, there can be the celebration in limited places. So here in the Archdiocese, we have it in three places. And that was one of the, the regulations. It can't be in a parish mass, in a parish church. It has to be in a chapel. So we have it both. Uh, we have it in the south uh, in one of our parishes, in one of the parishes that has a chapel. We have it at the, uh, the monastery uh, of the, uh, the Holy Land. And it's uh, in a parish with a chapel in Montgomery. He said any priest that uh, wishes to celebrate that has to write to the bishop and say, I accept the liturgical reforms. I'm not fighting the liturgical reforms, but I'd like to be able to make myself available to celebrate under these conditions. That's for priests who are already priests. Anyone who is not yet ordained, but would like to learn to celebrate, has to write to Rome. When he loves it. He's celebrating it. He's smiling the whole time that he's uh, discussing the slow death, sometimes a bloody death, of tradition. And he falsely compares, look, the, the, the various liturgical rites which predate Trent, were Trinitine in nature. And there were some places like in Toledo, Spain, where you would have the Mozambic rite, uh, Mozarabic rite, and this rite existed for hundreds of years. The rule um, that Pope St. Pius V enacted was that any rite which had existed for at least 200 years, was allowed to exist in perpetuity. But that if there was a rite that had existed less than 200 years, that it would be folded into one of the approved rites from the Council of Trent. Now, the bogus ordo, the new rite invented in 1967, has not existed even for 100 years. It has no right to exist it has no historicity to it. It has no pedigree. And so using the idea that there were non-Trenton masses happening 200 years after Trent is a, little, is a little sneaky. But, you know, the guys like Wilton Gregory, they like to be sneaky. They really do. They like the idea well, of, uh, of, of duping you. They think they're clever. And, you know, homo narcissists are that way. They fall in love with their own ideas. They fall in love with their own uh, explanation for things. And they think that they're going to pull a fast one on you. 
And he loves it. You should have seen the glee in his eye, the smiling face when he says that sometimes tradition dies a slow, bloody death. Traditionalism in the world will never die. And it is resurgent, but I am not a triumphalist about it. You know, some people are like, oh, my my parish is so full and we're so uh, we're so packed to the gills. Our parish is. And it's evidence that we're going to win because all the young people are at our parish and it's standing room only and you can't find a seat anywhere and you have to arrive to mass 45 minutes early to get a decent seat. So therefore, we're going to win. I am hopeful. I am optimistic, but I am not triumphalist. We are not going to win in a natural war. Okay, there's not one single regularized bishop, possibly besides Bishop Schneider, who is going to be our friend, okay? There is not uh, any hope for the hierarchy to embrace traditionalism. Traditionalism in the United States, especially, is infected by modernism. It is infected by Puritanism, and it is infected by feminism, it is infected by modernism because it is a blend of preference for the Latin rite, preference for the smells and the bells, with a total and complete compromise with the modern way of life and with the philosophy of modernism. It is compromised by feminism because it is primarily still run by women. There are still the, the talking heads of women the barking heads of women who are running most of the traditionalist households, dragging the men along with them. And many of the traditionalist priests are more sympathetic to feminist values than they are to traditionalist values. They view men as the helpers in the house. Men, it is your duty when you come home from work to help your wife. Give her some stress relief. Be there for her. I've heard this from FSSP priests who have sat at my dinner table and told me that the role of men when they come home is to be their wives' helpers. Thankfully, Mrs. RTF was there to correct him and say, Father, that's feminism. He is not my helper. I am his. Wow, Mrs. RTF, I've never heard it said that way. And American traditionalism is unfortunately also infected with Puritanism. We've never fully rid ourselves of the instincts towards Puritanism in this Puritan empire of ours. It is thought wrongly by traditionalists that we cannot feast or fast. We cannot truly feast. We cannot truly enjoy the goods of this world. We cannot truly enjoy uh, marital acts with our wives. We cannot enjoy beer and wine and spirits. We can't smoke cigars because that's a sin. A sin against what? I would invite all of the puritanical trads to just visit Southern Europe for like three weeks. 
Spend some time with people in Europe who know how to dance, who dance, who kiss each other on the cheeks, who have joy in their life, who have celebrated the Catholic faith for hundreds of years, thousands of years longer than the existence of these United States. Puritanical trads are part of the reason why people are opposed to traditionalism in general. They create the, what is it, the the, the caricature of the faith that is so easy to discredit and mock and despise. Puritanical trads will say things like, well, we can't celebrate St. Nicholas Day because we don't lie to our children. Because lying is a sin. We don't tell our children about about St. Nicholas. Puritanical trads might want to read a book. They might want to read a book about the importance of St. Nicholas Day in the history of the church, in the history of Christendom. Puritanical trads will say, oh, well, my wife doesn't wear makeup because makeup is lying. This is insanity. Women should be beautiful. They should make themselves beautiful for their husbands. They should want to be attractive to their husbands. All of these random things that so-called traditionalists, puritanical traditionalists get hung up on. It makes easy fodder for guys like Wilton Gregory. It's easy for him to shut down Latin masses. It's easy for him to pick on Latin masses when it's full of people who think that all dance is a sin. All music is a sin. You know what? Folk dancing and folk music, it prevents communism. It does. It preserves culture. It's important. We need to have it. We just don't have any in the United States. That's the problem. The main reason why puritanical traditionalism is is allowed to exist in the United States, why feminist traditionalism exists in the United States, and especially why modernist traditionalism exists in the United States is because we have no foundation. We have no actual cultural norms. We have no mores to fall back on. Go to Spain, go to Portugal, go to, go to Greece, go to Italy, go to France, go to Bavaria, go to Vienna. These people sing, they dance, They have cultural backbones. Now, yeah, is it all basically Euro trash cities now? Yeah. Is it all multiculturalist, bland, being taken over by Muslims? Of course. But at least there is something there in the bloodlines of these people. There's the faith and there's there's the culture imbued by the faith. Since we have, what do we have? Our culture is Puritanism. And that's why Puritanism is on the resurgence, especially in the traditionalist movement. You can't, in, in the traditionalist movement, it is worse to smoke a cigarette than it is to commit sodomy. In the traditionalist movement in the United States, there is more aghast at a man smoking a cigarette 
Now, I have a problem with men smoking cigarettes because they're feminine. <laughs> they are. <laughs> cigarettes were made for women. Cigars are made for men. But that's, that's, a, that's a separate point. There is more comments on my YouTube channel from puritanical traditionalists who are upset at the cigar smoking then there are then there are people who are upset about the fact for example that Michael Voris was grooming the young men that he hired and touching them and sending them semi pornographic self images people are more willing to forgive Voris for grooming young men for being a pervert narcissist uh 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 I mean, who knows if even if children are involved? Who knows if he's a pedo guy or not? Going after 18-year-olds, did he ever go after a 17-year-old, 16-year-old? Is it beyond the possibility if he's going after 18 and 19-year-olds? People are more willing to forgive him because he cries crocodile tears than they are to forgive a guy like Ryan Grant for smoking a pipe. This is Puritanism gone wild. And the reason for it is because there's nothing, there's no other cultural basis from which we can draw on. We don't have the rolling hills of, of, uh, of England with, you know, with clusters of, of little villages that have existed for 2,000 years together. Life in common an understanding of the common good, an understanding of permanence, cultural roots, families that have lived in one spot for 11 generations. We don't have anything like that. So what do we have? We fall back on prohibition? Is that what we fall back on? Is that our culture? That's what we get. That's the Puritan culture. We fall back on prohibition in these United States. And so it's easy for Wilton Gregory to tee off on that. Hey, we got to keep the show moving. Uh, the United States, I don't know if you know this, we're, on the, we're, on the permanent, we're a permanent member of the Security Council, of the United Nations Security Council. So basically, we can veto anything that the Security Council wants to do. Now, last week, on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception on Friday, there was a United Nations Security Council resolution calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. You're about to hear the results of it. I will uh, narrate over the top. In contra. Against. One, one nation votes against. It's the United, nation, uh, the United States of America. Abstentions. The result of the vote is as follows. 13 votes in favor. One against. 13 votes in favor of a ceasefire. One vote against. One vote against. The draft resolution has not been approved due to the veto of a permanent member of the Security Council. The draft resolution calling for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza has not been approved due to the United States blocking it. That's our country. We Americans are perpetuating war, famine, and genocide in the Middle East right now. 
rather than rather than joining the entire planet in calling for peace, cease fire. You've got your revenge. No, we are allowing the Jewish nation to continue to conduct military operations deep into Gaza, displacing millions of people, destabilizing the region, conducting genocide. The blood is on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be responsible for this. The sins of our nation do, in fact, in some way fall upon us. It is up to us to do something about it. But it's, it's going to be illegal in the United States soon to even oppose Zionism. Those whom you are unable to criticize are your real masters. Let, let me remind you. And the so-called Catholics that we have in our government, the so-called Catholics that we have had as our rulers, take Fauci, for example. Fauci not only diminishes his Catholic faith, he sets it aside and says, you know what, my personal ethics are way better than Catholicism. I don't really need it. It's pro forma. It's performative. I don't need it anymore. There's the Aldrin Chapel where Chris and I were That's where you were married, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's really nice. Do you still go there? Do you no. Still, you don't practice no, anymore, do you? I don't, no. Why? Ah, a number of complicated reasons. Go on. We have a whole corridor. <laughs> First of all, I, I think my own personal ethics on life are, I think, enough to keep me going on the right path. And I think that the, there are enough negative aspects about the organizational church mm -hmm. uh, that you are very well aware of. I, I'm not against it. I identify myself as a Catholic. I was raised, I was baptized, I was confirmed, I was married in the church. My children were baptized in the church. But as far as practicing it, it seems almost like a pro forma thing that I don't really need to do. That's the BBC so incredibly happy about the fact that Anthony Fauci has become an apostate. They're supporting the apostate Anthony Fauci. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to read you parts of this article of Zelensky, Zelensky traveling to Argentina. And the loving embrace of two Jewish comedians who are now the leaders of their respective nations and how they're going to collaborate with each other. You won't even believe the gift that Zelensky brings to Javier Malay in Argentina on the day of his inauguration. You're not going to believe it. <laughs> Stick around. This is Parrot Dog here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. We'll be right back. Hey, I just met you, heard you're a groomer, so here's your millstone, good luck loser, it's hard to look right when you're a pervert, so take your millstone, no kids will get hurt, gotta get these fools into the bottom of the ocean, down in the ocean, alongside that titan sub, gotta get these guys down to the bottom of the ocean, throw them in the ocean, with that Titanic sub. Welcome back to the show. This is Mike Parrott, and I am the humble host here of the uh, Parrot Talk show. This is on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. Always on air, always online, always happy to be with you. Broadcasting from RTF South. 
And I will tell you where that is in time. But uh, yeah, I'm in RTF South right now, and I am in a real nation (laughs) with real people who really care about their neighbor and who understand the common good. Yeah, there's problems. There's problems everywhere. No, nowhere is perfect. But um, I may over time start to divulge some of the cultural differences that I see um, in in my time on this flat plane of ours. You know, I've counted, and I, I having been to three dozen nations, and 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 having spent considerable time overseas, and living overseas, and having children overseas. I think, and, and, and nevertheless, being a patriot, I'm, I'm happy to be the voice of someone who at once loves America and despises her flaws. That's what I hope to bring to you in the coming days and weeks. But right now, I got to talk to you about Zelensky, who shows up, I don't even know why, at, uh, at uh, President Javier Malay's inauguration. I don't know why he's there. Nobody knows why he's there. Um, I had, let's see, I had this in English and now it's, it's converted to Spanish. Uh, let's see if I can still read it to you. The president of Argentina was joined by the president of Ukraine. And this marks a major change in international relationships, in diplomacy in general. This was written by Roberto Garcia Moritan. And this is an infobay.com. This is an opinion piece. The presence of the president of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, in the ceremony of uh, investiture, in other words, the, uh, well, they call it the investiture. I like that. The inauguration of the president of uh, uh, President Javier Malay is an important diplomatic change, considering the circum the alarming circumstances that are in force in the Ukraine and in the whole context of the geopolitical spectrum. It also is symbolic of a change. In the practice of diplomacy, given the fact that he was there in person, and (laughs) this is, okay, so that's that's my rough translation of, uh, of the Spanish article. Here we see the two embracing, I just tweeted this photo earlier today, an embrace between President Zelensky and President Malay. Malay is wearing the traditional blue and white sash, uh, which is actually kind of like a regal symbol. You 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 see you see kings and monarchs and and um, his imperial royal highness might wear something like this. Queen Victoria, Queen Elizabeth would wear something like this. He's wearing this sash which harkens back to monarchy. And he is given a Jewish candelabra, a Hanukkah candelabra, which is clearly in the frame. You have these two men who are embracing. I mean, their faces are like six inches from each other. And a Jewish candelabra is being bestowed upon Javier Milei. 
for those that don't know, okay, so let, just, just some thoughts about Malay, all right? And I've given some of these thoughts to you. We first came to know who he was because of Tucker Carlson. True? You didn't know who, who Malay was until Tucker interviewed him. And this was before the first election, before the runoff election. Tucker, in many ways, probably pushed him over the top. That episode has tens of millions of views, hundreds of thousands of shares. It, it really touched the lives of many people. And it was an introduction to this brash, vulgar, eccentric guy who says that liberalism is, uh, is dung, except he uses a different word for dung. He uses a word that I'm only allowed to say one time per broadcast if I want to, which I don't need to on this, uh, on this episode here. He describes liberalism ex- exactly right, except for he, his, he, what he proposes in the place of liberalism is liberalism. The two competing threads of liberalism, classical liberalism, which is the one that he advocates, and modern liberalism, which is, which is of the left. But both are competing for dominance in the philosophy of liberalism. In the philosophy of, uh, how, how should we say, throwing off tyranny. Throwing off monarchy, throwing off order, rebellion, revolution, the rights of man. Both philosophies seek the same thing. They just seek them in different ways. He is a libertarian, so-called, even though I suspect he's going to rule more like a leftist than a libertarian. And that is because these two... Things are so closely related to each other. But he's a lot like Trump. He has eccentric eyes and hair. He, he, he makes liberal use of vulgarity. His personal uh, morality is questionable. He's, he's over-promising what he can do once uh, taking office, and he'll under-deliver. Um, but unlike Trump, who, of course, made the visit to the, to, to the wall, the sacred wall, the Roman barracks wall, posing as something else, unlike Trump, who made every single overture uh, towards, uh, towards Zionism, uh, this man, Malay, actually is converting. He is a Zionist himself, and he is converting to Judaism, which, I, I, you know, it, it is... It is um, questionable whether or not a man can actually even convert to Judaism. Many Jews would say that it's impossible, that it is an, if it, is it a, an inherited ethnicity in as much as, as it is a religion. It comes to you from your mother. If your mother's not Jewish, you can never be Jewish. Um, and, and some Jews just say, like, you can't become Jewish. There is no such thing as converting to Judaism. Others will take you in. It depends on the sect I suppose, but he is converting to Judaism. He wins the presidency and then he announces that he's becoming Jewish and he meets with all of the high-powered rabbis in Argentina and this sends alarm bells to people who are paying attention. 
Because at the same time that he is becoming Jewish, the world, the Western world, is outlawing any opposition to Judaism. You are not allowed to be critical of these people. And so now he's making himself one of those people whom you're not allowed to criticize. Think about this. He's becoming the one thing that you're not allowed to criticize. You're not allowed to oppose the political boundaries of Israel. You're not allowed to say to yourself, I don't like what you're standing for. I don't like the oppression of Middle Eastern Christians, Palestinian Christians. I don't like that the Holy Land isn't controlled by Christians. It is controlled by someone else who is actually an enemy of God. You know, last night, or no, maybe two nights ago, well, Father Martin gave me this wonderful book. And it is a liturgical way to pray the rosary. It's put out by Aruka Press, I think, forward by Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. And I was reading the account of the crucifixion. We were praying the, 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 um, the sorrowful mysteries and we're at the crucifixion. It's the final. And there's a long, long, long recounting. It's sort of a blending of all of the gospels together. So it, it captures quite a bit of detail about the crucifixion. And, the, and, and there is the segment in there that absolutely, I mean, you just can't make this up, okay? This is part of our faith. This is not anti-Semitism. This is just a clear reading of Scripture. If Scripture is anti-Semitic, then I'm sorry. Then your definition of anti-Semitism is just too broad. But the idea of double-dealing, of lying, of dissimulation, of bribing witnesses, of using the money power to get your way, In the crucifixion of our Lord, he was framed. There were false witnesses brought against him. The money power was used. And there was a blood curse accepted, accepted. When Pontius Pilate washed his hands in front of the Jews and said, I wash my hands of this. The blood is on you. And they said, it is on us and it is on our descendants. We accept the blood curse. We will forever be the enemies of Christ. Forever. For all time, up until even the present time, we will be the enemies of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, Javier Malay is now an enemy of Christ. Vladimir Zelensky is an enemy of Christ. And if we don't have the courage to say that, 
If we hide behind some, well, he's a libertarian and he's going to bring freedom and prosperity to the Argentinian people and he'll, he's going to stop socialism in the Western Hemisphere and he's going to, he's a beacon of hope and light in Latin America. I'm sorry. Then libertarianism is, is also an enemy of Christ. If libertarianism substitutes for your religion, then I'm sorry. You also are an enemy of Christ. If free trade, laissez-faire economics is your religion, then you too are an enemy of Christ. Things are crystallizing right now, ladies and gentlemen. It is Christ the King or it is oblivion. That's it. Those are our choices. It is Christ the King or it is oblivion. And those, to me, are very simple choices. Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel. This is live talk radio the way it should be. Always on air, always online. The choice is clear. Stick with us. Become a Founders Pass member. Go to crusadechannel.com slash Mary. Get it done. This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. Restoringthefaith.com 